WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Time right now, 816. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, the 21st of February. And in studio with us this morning, we have Anna Cannon, and you are part of the uh, university's honors program, I guess, right? Yes. And you're a junior there at MTSU, and you have been working on a new art exhibition, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about this art exhibition you've been working on. Yeah, so... um my honors thesis exhibition so I had to choose um, a topic and I, I kind of wanted to do something with media and race representation and um, yeah so so, it's, it's so did they give you a, a list of topics or was this what you came up with no you actually choose it um, between your sophomore summer um, and you kind of start picking up the ideas um, and it can be anything that you want Okay, so give me the full title of your art exhibit that you're doing. Yeah, it's an art-based critique of the media's false images. Um, so what, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's not necessarily false, but uh, I guess media has a pretty profound influence on the way we uh, perceive things, so the way that images sort of have like a, an agenda to them. Um, can make you think in different ways. So uh, I choose I chose <laughs> media and, and race um, just because I took a race and rhetoric class um, with my thesis advisor, Dr. Chevrolet, and uh, that kind of like steered like the gears, like, okay, like I think this would be a, an interesting topic to go into. And then of course with summer of 2020 with George Floyd um, kind of brought up the topic, at least the conversation at MTSU. So I thought it was kind of a perfect idea to go with. So when you looked at different media outlets, did you look at everything from, you know, online only to TV to to even movies? I mean, what what all did you look at in order to to do this project? Yeah, so I looked um, a lot on the TV broadcast and just the LA news circuit around, you know, Los Angeles. Um, And then I also looked at, movies at the time um through like bell hooks um, because she has like a cultural criticism on uh you know just different stereotypes and how that affects um the way we think about things so um it's kind of like a mixture of things (laughs) so were you surprised by the end result or was it uh you know predominantly you know this way versus that way male female i mean what all did you find um so during 1992 uh, which is the context of my uh, thesis, it was interesting to find that most uh, media outlets focused on like the symptoms, or, or not the symptoms, but the outcomes of like the looting, the, the danger, the, the damages to South Korean like homeowners, and it, it didn't really focus on like the conditions of like why everything happened. Um, so, you know, with Latasha Harlan's, with like the economy, you know, 25% of working males were in prison, uh, black males were in prison or in trouble with law enforcement. Um, Like there was 131 uh, 
idling or not idling <laughs> um, like factory closings and so that affected empl uh, employment and uh, so it didn't really focus on like the conditions of why it happened but just really focused on like the violence and so that was really interesting so <laughs> how did you put that into art I created an infographic uh, this huge banner like 20 or 44 inches by 18 feet <laughs> and it outlines every condition so education um, the workforce the prison uh, Latasha Harlins actually has her own little segment as well because um, it did happen 13 days after so it was kind of like okay these are two miscarriages of justice um, and so yeah kind of every facet uh. <laughs> so was there an underlying tone or rhyme or reason to everything that you actually found and, and then put together um kind of like there's just this negative hegemonic you know view on racial protest um that it it's kind of like culture wants to see it turn in turn to violence um actually um during that race and rhetoric class with dr chevrette she had a she has a study where we had to um ask different people that we knew about the george floyd protest in 2020 and like if they went to one you know how was the atmosphere and the person that I asked um, went to the Sycamore, you know, New York um, protest, and he was like, basically there, nothing happened. It was it was peaceful. Um, it didn't break into violence. But then coming the next day, there were photos, you know, insinuating that something violent happened. Um, so, <laughs> and, and and there was even a George Floyd uh, protest, if you would, on the MTSU campus that fled over to. East Main and Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Right. Uh, were you there when, when that unfolded? No, I actually was back at home. <laughs> and of course, that originally, I guess, started with a, a protest that was done on the downtown Murfreesboro Square. Um, so there was a lot going on that year, especially <laughs> around that time period. Right. <laughs> yes. Were you able to find any connections between education and the news stories that were actually in the news at the time? Yeah, so in terms of education, um, I believe it was 63 to 79% of um, high school dropouts, um, you know, male and women. Um, and uh, in terms of the initiatives at the time, 19, about 1970 to 1980, um, it disenfranchised a lot of uh, black and brown youth, uh, and they were sanctioned to extreme disciplinary actions uh and so like that was also a condition that you know led people to be really angry <laughs> when the verdict came out M more males versus females or was it an equal number as far as the crimes that you saw portrayed within you know whenever somebody did a crime and it was highlighted in the media more males and females it sounds like yes yes more males <laughs> did you find any situations where it was a female that you were able to to kind of highlight on on your project unfortunately no um most of them was black males <laughs> is that still true today you think i would i would say so um you know most of the time when you at least based on the news that i see on you know my social media it's always you know a black male that did something violent that you know is inhumane <laughs> so so your art that you put together this art thesis it was mainly based uh, between 
91, 92, or either before that era, I guess, leading up to it, right? Right. About two decades before, um, but mostly 1991 and 1992 when the you know uprisings really occurred in April. So <laughs> Again, Anna Cannon with us with the University Honors Program at MTSU. And your focus at college is graphic arts. I mean, that's one of your big focuses, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and with that being said, where do you see yourself in the future? And how will you be kind of making a difference, you know, with this underlying tone of negativity that's facing black African-American men? Yeah, so, I mean, definitely I want to work into the entertainment industry. And so... I'm hoping that, you know, in that we can spread equity, inclusion, and, and diversity, um, you know, wherever I work. <laughs> so, Are there certain companies, certain organizations that you have seen do a really good job of, of kind of flipping around this picture for the positive? Yeah, so actually um, kind of my dreams are like Coca-Cola or Disney, which Coca-Cola is not necessarily in the entertainment industry, but uh, they're de- Sports marketing is also an interesting thing to me about, you know, with FIFA, um, you know, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola owns the FIFA industry, but uh, yeah, so. Well, it's interesting you bring up Coca-Cola because Coke advertising over the years has always been a positive message. It's always been about bringing people together. You know, I, I even when you look back at commercials from the 70s, you know, it that's their focus. Mm-hmm. Share a Coke, share happiness, you know. <laughs> are, are there other companies out there that you've seen similar you know messages over the years um let's see (laughs) it's hard to say because it seems like only over the last four to five years we've seen more and more tv commercials movie commercials magazine ads really focus on diversity because you haven't seen a whole lot of that in the past unless it was an athlete right right like lots of global i mean even mercedes-benz and the formula one with um hamilton you know so there's there a lot of global companies are really trying to focus on diversity which is which is nice so do you think we'll see a lot more of that over the years yes i I, i'm hoping so yeah (laughs) and you have this exhibit and is it on display now and if so can the general public see it at mtsu yeah so it's open today and tomorrow um it opens 8.30 to about 4 p.m., so okay. kind of business, normal business hours. But, yeah, it's it's in there. Um, anyone can walk in, and I also have, like, an interactive spot where um, I have a few questions, you know, the general feeling and, and thinking that you had while walking into the exhibit, and then the, also, like, a more advanced question, like, how has this impacted your understanding of race and race representation? Is it in the Todd Art Gallery? Yes, yep, in the 210 Art Gallery. Okay, so when you go in there, it'd be on, the, what, the second floor, which is the floor you walk into, right? Yes, um, so right up those long stairs, and then to the right, it'll, you know, it'll say 210 Gallery and kind of like a little marquee, and yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Did you enjoy putting together this project? Yes. Um, <laughs> it's funny because, uh, so I have four panels that create one big mural, um, and it's called Shackled with uh, False Promises. And um, once I put those up, that was the first thing that I put up, as well as um, my questions. And I almost started, like, going into tears because it was just like, wow, like, my work is up there. 
Um, and even like Saturday or I put it up Friday. So Friday night, I was like, wow, like it's there. <laughs> and, and how did you go about putting this together? Was it computer based? Was it paint? What, what was it? Yeah. So it's, it was a little bit of kind of everything. I, I used Photoshop, um, for the painting part for my mural. Um, so then it would have that sort of traditional look. Um, and then I used, um, Adobe Illustrator for, the infographic huge mural <laughs> yeah and then uh of course with the social media feeds they're legitimately instagram you know private feeds and so yeah <laughs> so you had to get this printed too right I mean, oh that's, my god that's a lot of that's a big print yes um 18 feet <laughs> 18 feet long it was it was really um we have this inkjet you know spray uh, air spray printer in the Todd Art Gallery, and luckily um, my professor was like, yeah, you can definitely use it. And so I was sitting there, like, holding it as it was coming out, and then I had to roll it as it, you know, continued to get longer. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I had to trim it down, and that was that was fun <laughs> again Anna Cole with us this morning with MTSU and again you're a junior part of the University Honors program there at MTSU and your focus is on graphic arts and, and that's the direction sounds like obviously you're headed yes I, I love graphic design I it's actually when I first started I wanted to go into architecture um, but then my art teacher in high school was like I don't think I don't think that's for you. Um, and he was like, what about graphic design? And I took a bunch of different, you know, career uh, quizzes and, and just different, um, yeah, just a bunch of different surveys. And they were all like, yes, go in the art industry, be an art director, be a creative director. Um, and I took my first class here and I fell in love. Like I was like this, it was tough because <laughs> I was kind of behind. I didn't know anything about Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, anything. And so I came in with like just a fresh mind and you know, did everything that I could to, you know, stay updated in class and absolutely love it. <laughs> so, so what's next after you graduate? I mean, are you going to go on to get your master's or, or what is that next step? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that. Um, since I am doing an honors thesis, it's kind of, you know, uncalled for for a graphic designer to do an honors thesis. Um, but I just knew, like for me, I, I always wanted to go into the honors college and um, pursue that because I just knew what I was capable of. I have always been an honor student, always been a straight A student. Um, and so it was definitely something I wanted to do. Um, and actually it added, you know, portfolio feature because, um, you know, we have to show our website um, to people. And um, yeah, so after graduation, I, I want to get a summer internship with uh, Disney, <laughs> hoping to get a professional internship as, you know, a graphic designer or a marketing um, marketing intern. And, uh, yeah, so that's the plan. <laughs> and, and I didn't even ask you, are you from this area? Where are you originally from? Um, so I was a military kid. <laughs> so I've kind of been, like, everywhere. But um, the longest we stayed somewhere was in Anchorage, Alaska. So I kind of call that home. It's a long drive from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my parents are actually stationed in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Um, we did live. I graduated it's like in the, Tennessee. the training base area, right, for yeah. the Army? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you decided to come here, um, yeah. liked MTSU. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like you're open to going any direction, anywhere, really. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I love about But Florida MTSU. or California for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> right. Burbank or, <laughs> you know. 
Sounds good. Well, Anna, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Time right now, 831. You're tuned to WGNS. Stay with us. We have more coming up in just a second. A check on the weather comes your way next. We'll see a few scattered rain showers possible late this afternoon. Otherwise, partial sunshine develops. We'll see a high in the upper 60s. South winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour at times, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic, News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 50. By growing up in the restaurant business and being always around it, it was just something that was just second nature to me. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in it. I, I didn't understand and appreciate all that my parents sacrificed in order to provide for us. And now I'm very thankful and, I, and I'm very appreciative of the foundation that they laid for me so we could teach others to create what they have done to make it more of a legacy than just a passing of the torch. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. Good morning. We've had a couple of ranks up through the Hickory Hollow area as you head towards Nashville. They've got one over to the side. Everybody's looking at it on 24 westbound in Harding Place. Give yourself a little bit of extra time if you're headed towards Nashville. Even though a lot of people are off today, there's still some traffic up through the Hickory Hollow area. Warmer weather is waiting for you at Pensacola Beach. Book your next getaway. Log on today, PensacolaBeach.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City inviting your family to come in and do business with my family as the weather gets worse and we spend more time indoors give your pets additional enrichment here at animal city we carry a variety of toys and entertainment for pets of most kinds when you stop in to see us at animal city make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies animal city is at 919 northwest broad street in murfreesboro the Action Line, Rutherford Issues, The Morning News, Swap and Shop, The Crewman Show. We're keeping it local on WGNS, AM, FM, online. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.33, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning. And joining us now from MTSU, we have Megan Whiffley, Director of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Studies, as well as, so you're also the Chair and Coordinator of the National Women's History Month there. Yep, I sure am. So you're busy. Yeah. (laughs) So what all is going on throughout the month? And, And tell us a little bit more about how MTSU celebrates this. Yeah, so we're really excited this year. We have a co-sponsored keynote speaker with Black History Month finishing up their month, but starting our month. So February 28th in the Student Union Ballrooms at 7 p.m., we have Jacqueline Walters from Married to Medicine. She's going to be talking about how um, women's health and kind of hope and healing all go hand in hand. So the Black History Month uh, committee, their theme is women's health. And then our theme is women providing healing and promoting hope. And what types of things have you been focusing on or have you, uh, I don't know, learned or uncovered throughout this month that maybe you didn't know about before? Sure, yeah. I mean, every year we have some great speakers. We have some different things that we're always doing. This year we've got some things going on with uh, diversity and equity, inclusion, and chemical sciences. We've got some things going on with general DNA sequencing for, for women. Um, we have 
uh, several different musical acts coming to campus or things that our MTSU symphonic band is a part of. So it's really interesting to kind of see what everybody comes up with every year and how they can incorporate it into our theme and into Women's History Month. And again, this year, women providing healing, promoting hope, Mm -hmm. um, which is an interesting topic because it does talk a little bit about that caregiving role of women in America. Yeah, it sure does. You know, women are, are by far and large the biggest caregivers in their families. And we have seen throughout the pandemic how women have really put themselves on the front lines and especially caregiving to people throughout COVID and also, you know, taking care of their families throughout all of this. Do you think more women have taken time off of work to care for their family throughout the whole COVID pandemic versus men? Yeah, there's a lot of research out there that shows that women have either been um, taking time off to do that or have been forced to take time off, unfortunately, just because of the roles that they do play. The number of children who were homeschooled over this pandemic, you know, women just really, again, are that frontline person in their family. And tell us more about that keynote speaker that's going to be on the 28th. Yeah, so Dr. Jackie, um, she is an Atlanta OBGYN and she herself had cancer. And so she kind of knows what it's like to have come through both sides of being a caregiver, not only for herself, but also for her patients. Um, She's also, again, like I said, on that TV show um, from Bravo, Married to Medicine. So she'll be kind of an interest to some of our entertainment students as well. And are there special, I don't know, promotions on the MTSU campus going on this month that kind of highlight different women? Yeah, so um, we every year have a button, and this year our button, and it's funny because the person before me talked about Bell Hooks, but this year um, we are celebrating Bell Hooks as our um, person that we always um, give a button away with with somebody who's passed away, just commemorating them. But then we also do at uh, the end of the month, we're doing our closing ceremony for the month, and we we are giving away two professional trailblazer awards and four future trailblazer awards and those are people who have been nominated by mtsu faculty staff and students as to people who um, are moving women's movements forward you know i'm curious do you have uh, any statistics as far as the number of women who go on to college versus the number of women who don't versus that number of men who go on to college after high school? Yeah, it just depends. A lot of times you'll see research out there that men tend to go to college right away after high school and women might tend to go back. Um, At MTSU, we have over a 30% non-traditional student rate. Now that is men and women, but we do see a lot of people coming back to school after years away and especially now during covid we're having more and more non-traditional students come to our campus and try to complete maybe a degree that they either didn't get before or get a second or third degree and i guess online studies have opened that door even more oh it sure has you know the ability to do completely 100 percent online learning is amazing i do that myself currently um and so it's really great because you can study basically anything anywhere at any time. So if you do have a family or you do have a job, you can do those things on your lunch hour. You can do them at 10 o'clock at night on weekends. And so, you know, the online education system is just growing. And is there a certain avenue under which that you can learn more about women's history and, and, you know, just throughout the history under a certain degree at MTSU? So we do have a women's and gender studies department. They are huge sponsors of the Women's History Month. Uh, goings on they make up the majority of my 
uh, committee. They're amazing ladies who have a lot of great things to give. And we do have a very vibrant women's and gender studies department at MTSU. And what do you expect to stand out the most throughout this month on the MTSU campus and, and what's going to be highlighted I guess more so than maybe other speakers. I know you talked about the main key yeah. speaker, but what else have you got? You know, we, like I said, we've got several music things, which I think will really interest a lot of our music students on campus. Um, student programming and Raider Entertainment is putting on an all-female concert on the 24th. Um, and so is MT Bands. Uh, they are the symphonic, or the wind ensemble is putting on something that same evening, so afterwards. Um, we are having an Ishniko listening party, and that's being sponsored by the Center for Popular Music. So the music is is amazing. And then one thing I'm especially proud of is one of our students brought an idea to us. It's called the Festival of Veils. It is Saturday, March 19th, and it's talking about all of the ways in um, all of religion, all of ethnicities, why women wear veils. I myself wore a veil all week last week just to see what that... Um, the, the perception was of people of myself. We're, we're doing a, a video blog that MTSU is putting together for us, and we're going to be showing that on, on MTTV. But um, that is on Saturday, March 19th from noon to four in the Student Union Commons, and it's going to be a really great way to learn about the how and why women wear veils in their different religions and their different ethnicities. It sounds like a, a sociology experiment almost. It really was. It was very interesting. You know, and just people who see me normally, and I don't wear a veil normally, I, I'm not Muslim, but, you know, the the way they looked at me and the way that um, they kind of reacted to the fact that, oh, why are you wearing this now? And so a lot of times I did have to explain myself, but um, our students are really passionate about this project. And as the director of the Women's Center, I really wanted to give them my full attention of, I will do this for you because I think it's important for me to understand where they're coming from as my students. So when you did this with the veil, did you also wear the face covering as well? So um, the one that they had me do was just under the chin, but obviously at MTSU, a lot of us are still wearing masks. So I did wear you know, my normal COVID mask on top of it. So yeah, all you could see was my eyes. So some people had no idea who you were. Exactly, or. exactly. In fact, I walked past people on campus and not a clue. <laughs> What kind of reactions did you get? And, and did you wear it off the campus too? I did. Um, I, well, I wore it home because I didn't have a whole lot of errands or anything to run. So I didn't necessarily go places I wouldn't normally go. Um, but I, I wore it all over campus and I mostly stares. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky I did not get any um, hurtful language like my students do. I did not get anybody throwing anything at me or spitting on me like my students do. And unfortunately they do. And that's an everyday occurrence on our campus for our, our Muslim students. That's wild to imagine that. I, I mean, really so you, you got to see though, at least the, the stare aspect yeah. of it. Uh, did you feel uncomfortable at times? Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I knew what I was in for, I think, unfortunately, because I'm so close to some of our Muslim students and the stories that they've told me previously. So I sort of knew what I was in for. Um, I didn't didn't know I would be stared at as much as I was. But I also, like I said, I wanted to be pretty, pretty uh, upfront about why I was doing it and, and to be able to help our, our female students on campus. Now, I, we only have a couple minutes sure. left here, but I wanted to go back to the number of women who attend college and, and any type of secondary education in general. Um, how does that look as far as the future goes? Do you think we're going to see much larger numbers of women coming back 
to school? You know, I sure hope so. I think women have a lot to offer in all different areas of education. Um, we have a lot of programs that are still male dominated. And, you know, I don't really think that that is great for our culture. You know, having women in the aerospace program, having women in the concrete management program, in the RIM program, I think all, all we can do is better ourselves and our careers by creating a, a culture where all genders are included in all programs. Again with us this morning, Megan Whiffley, director of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students, as well as chair and coordinator of National Women's History Month. And again, February 28th, that would be the uh, keynote address. Yep. And is that open to the public? It is. It's at 7 p.m. It's in the Student Union Ballroom. So if you go up the elevator, you turn the corner, and the ballroom will be right there. And, oh. yeah, anybody is welcome. Is there more information online on the MTSU's website? Yeah, so you can find information on mtsu.edu slash JAC, and you can go to the Women's History Month tab. Otherwise, since we're also co-sponsoring this event with Black History Month, you can go to their website as well. Okay. Well, Megan, thank you very much for joining us thank this morning. Thank you. Time right now, 8.45. You're tuned to WGNS. More news and information coming up. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero, Norm Elzeer. In this salute, we talked to a World War II veteran. Your basic training, what was that time period? Took quite a while, because after we went to the classroom study, then we had to go up to Apalachicola, Florida, where we took aerial gunnery training, and we flew in AT-6s with a 30 caliber machine gun and shooting at that target. The bullets were painted colors, and they could tell who shot what. From there, they sent us off to a mechanic school in Shepherdfield, Texas. From there, they sent us to a gunnery school again. It was strictly shooting a 50 caliber at a moving target way down range. From there, we went to California where we joined our bomber crew. Well, Norm, when you shipped out, what was that like? It wasn't too good. The planes, they were all brand new planes and they were supposed to fly over to Italy. The trouble was the ground officers decided they were going to fly too, so out of the six gunners, two of us had to go by boat, and we drew straws. And I was fortunate enough <laughs> to, to draw one of the boat straws. Took nine days to go across the Atlantic, and it was storm almost all the time. In fact, I came off the boat in a stretcher because I was standing watch on deck uh, three times a day, and, and I got sick. Norm Elzeer. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and better. When severe weather strikes, we break in. Tornado warning for Central Rutherford County. Our own meteorologist giving you a complete Rutherford County forecast. So you should be in shelter already. In there is no safer place in the storm. News Radio WGNS. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 
2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 847. You're tuned to WGNS. And during this last half of the program, we are talking about MTSU's Aerospace Department. And Dr. Shaminda Perlis is with us today, chair of the MTSU Aerospace Department. Uh, you came in at a time where there's lots of change going on, to say the least, I guess, right? Yep, that is correct. A- mm-hmm. And you moved here recently from Iowa, or yes. maybe still looking for a house, I don't know. No, we moved from Iowa. Uh, we actually got a place in the uh, Tullahoma area. Okay, and well, that's an airport area too, because there in Tullahoma, you've got the big Arnold Air Force Engineering base there. Uh, I think they test jet engines there and stuff like that. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So is MTSU going to make a, a, a huge step forward by moving from the Murfreesboro Airport to the Shelbyville area? Yeah, this is actually a very big step for us. It's the next, um, I guess, evolution in our department. We're looking really forward to because at Murfreesboro Airport, we were kind of landlocked. There wasn't really a lot of uh, space for us to expand. And with the pilot shortage, with the maintenance shortage, and a huge demand in the in the aviation industry and aerospace industry for professionals that are trained, that have the skills that they're looking for, this was our opportunity to actually build a much larger facility and also give us the space that we need to expand in the next, let's say, 20, 30 plus years. Hey, I know we have had the Murfreesboro mayor on. We've had the Murfreesboro uh, airport manager on multiple times in the past talking about the size of the Murfreesboro airport and, and how there's not a lot of room to expand. Yep, that is correct. Uh, we're uh, we're anticipating another 10 aircraft that we're bringing in early in the summer, and there's no space at Murfreesboro Airport because of that reason is why we're looking at uh, moving. So will this equal, what, 30 airplanes or so, or is it 20? How many airplanes does MTSU have? Yep, currently we have about 35, so another 10 will bring us, you know, much larger. Um, eventually, if the program continues to grow, we're looking at about 60 airplanes total. Wow, and I know a number of years back, FedEx flew in a, a large aircraft, and it was made part of the MTSU program. Is that airplane now irrelevant because it's a much older airplane? Yep. Um, so for the maintenance folks that are working on airplanes, even older airplanes, engine is an engine, right? Um, so they can continue to work on it, build their skills, and also uh, get a feel for what uh, different types of aircraft structures are engines are and things like that so no they're they're definitely can still use so when mtsu makes that move to shelbyville is that large plane gonna go there too and if so how yeah actually that plane um uh, was removed right before i got here i think probably about two years ago so we don't have that large airplane anymore interesting okay i didn't even realize well of course it's hard to see the murfreesboro airport these days because you have a walmart a chick-fil-a in front of it i mean you just you don't see it it kind of out of sight out of mind yep exactly but with them being able to have more room for growth, business growth, I'm sure is a direction Murfreesboro Airport's going to head. Um, what is this going to mean for Shelbyville? Because the Shelbyville Airport on 231, 
there is vast amount of space for growth. Do you think MTSU, once the building is built, new hangars come, it's going to allow for more growth that direction? Uh, yes, it is. I am looking forward to also seeing the economic impact that this would have on Shelbyville because anytime an airport grows to this extent, you're going to get a lot of businesses, a lot of people coming through. There's going to be a huge economic you know, impact on that. Students are going to be spending dollars out in the Shelbyville area as well. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, from, you know, that front east main entrance to MTSU to the Shelbyville airport, it's only about 21 miles. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So it's not where it's not like we're moving, you know, completely to the other side of the state or anything like that. It'll be still close. Students will have a fair amount of their classes at Shelbyville once everything is put together, including even their gen ed courses will be offered at Shelbyville. Um, some of the students that may have some unique classes may still need to you know, come into Murfreesboro for their classes, but for the mass majority of students, everything will be out there. Now, the runway in Shelbyville, they have one that's about 750 feet longer than the Murfreesboro Airport. What, what does that mean for the aerospace department at MTSU? Yep. So that provides us with an extra safety of margin uh, for our aircraft. And if we ever you know, need larger aircraft coming in there for whatever reason, whether it's executive transport or if in the future there are other airplanes that we haven't even considered you know adding to the program we do have that expansion capabilities as well and right off the bat do you know of larger airplanes that could be used as type i don't know trainer planes uh no so we do have a king air that we use for an executive transportation we've, we've been talking about potentially using that for some training but that'll be very specialized and very unique, and there'll be very few students that'll take that type of training. But this, you know, all in all is a positive for MTSU and a positive for Murfreesboro's airport as well, because they do need that extra space. Yes, definitely, we do. Um, we've Our program has grown about 11% year over year over the last four or five years. So uh, the demand in the aviation industry, especially with pilots and uh, mechanics in the industry, we're going to continue to see a huge demand for highly skilled professionals in the industry. So we're, we're definitely going to experience even more growth than we're, we're, we have today. Now, earlier this year, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, he, he announced the idea of including $57.2 million, and that would go towards MTSU's Shelbyville airport project yes uh, that's not approved yet right there's still steps that have to be taken yes the legislature still needs to vote on it uh, before you know the money is approved and then after that there's the engineering and design phases that need to go through and then after that you know we, we break ground and start building so we're looking at about potentially about uh, two to four year project now with the price of building materials going so high over the last couple of years is 57.2 million going to be enough? Uh, we think it is going to be enough. Uh, we do have um, some uh, flexibility in the square footage where we can kind of shrink certain areas or expand certain areas if we need to. Are there already runways out there that MTSU, or not runways, but hangars out there that MTSU can lease or will those have to be built new as well? No, everything would need to be built uh, from scratch. We'd, we'd have to lay down the concrete for the airplanes to park on, uh, probably some taxiways to get to and from the runways, and then all the buildings, facilities, hangars, uh, classroom spaces, everything. And yeah. again, you're going to be looking at that time about 
I guess what 2023 2024 even you're going to be looking at about 45 airplanes or maybe even more by then yep that is correct that's hard to believe that you know the MTSU aerospace program grew from maybe 400 students enrolled in it just uh four or five years ago to now what a thousand or close to it we're actually just over 1200 students now uh, about four or five years ago we were about seven or eight hundred yep Wow, it's it's wild how fast it's grown. Yes. Yep. Do you expect more growth? Uh, yes. There is still a huge demand. We're seeing it not just at MTSU, but uh, from the colleagues I've talked to at other institutions, at, at not just collegiate institutions, but also uh, training facilities. They're seeing a huge demand for pilots, for um, maintenance people, for anybody that's in like the uh, aerospace industry. Now, from what I understood not too long ago, someone was telling me about how MTSU actually used to have a runway years ago on the campus. Yes, that's correct. Um, I believe the, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of by the library and actually it went through the current uh, business and, and airspace building. So it was right there on, on property when we started back in the early 1940s. Um, and then about 70 years ago, I, th I believe it was 52, is when we actually moved our operations to Murfreesboro Airport. Probably one of the very few university campuses across the country that used to have their own runway, I would guess. Yes, yes, that's correct. So yep. pretty neat history there with aerospace. Yes, it is. Yep. And once this move is made to, MT or to uh, Shelbyville, to the Shelbyville Municipal Airport, um, what do you foresee happening first? Will it be building those taxiways? Will it be building hangars? What will be first? Yep. Um, if I, I mean, it's, it's not up to me um, in that sense, but if it was up to me, then I would say, yes, we do, do need the parking spaces first for the airplanes and the taxiways, uh, the hangars for the maintenance, and then the academic buildings can come right after that. And will there be a separate entrance to the MTSU side of things in yes. Shelbyville? Yes, there will be a separate entrance. Hey, I mean, with they have roughly 600 acres there. Murfreesboro had around 250, 250 acres or so. Uh, is there going to be room to offer other classes in the Shelbyville area, in that area? Yeah, uh, the, the plan um, obviously is to focus on our aerospace students first. And, um, you know, long term, 15, 20 years down the road, there's potential to expand that beyond just aerospace. Uh, what what is your background like? I mean, how did you get into to the aerospace side of things at, uni at, at a university like MTSU? Um, actually, funny story. My mother has a, an essay that I wrote when I was seven years old that talks about how I wanted to be a pilot and, and fly for the industry. Uh, you know, I've always had the bug to be in part of the industry. Then I came to um, the University of North Dakota, got my undergraduate uh, degrees there, I got my uh, PhD as well, worked for Northwest Airlines and then Delta Airlines, uh, became a faculty member at the University of Dubuque in Iowa, and then just this August moved down here to uh, Tennessee to take on this position. Now for those who don't realize that the airplane industry is really huge in middle Tennessee, I mean there are big companies located in Nashville that build aircraft and, and specialize in certain parts of aircraft. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, but that started way back in 1949 or so. Yep, exactly. Even I've been very, very surprised of the things that I'm discovering that aviation has and aerospace has within the state of Tennessee. 
It's pretty wild, isn't it? It is. Yep. In fact, my grandfather came here from California in 1949 to to head an aircraft company in Nashville. Nice. Yep. So it's it's wild to look back at some of those roots at the airline industry and how far it has come in Tennessee alone. Yep. Exactly. So uh, again, we're going to see development start, uh, assuming everything moves forward and gets approved that the governor's proposing. We're going to see stuff start to maybe, I don't know, transform and break ground, maybe by the end of this year or the start of next year. Yep, that's correct. Sounds good. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, Dr. Shaminda Perlis, and you are chair of the MTSU Aerospace Department. Of course, right here on the MTSU campus in Murfreesboro. I guess your office will soon be in Shelbyville? That's correct, yes. Sounds good. Well, again, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Time right now, 9 o'clock. Stay with us. We have local news and more coming your way next on WGNS Murphy's Bro, your good neighbor station since 1947. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com.